Welcome, change agents. I'm so glad you're here. This is Cheryl Klein, and you're listening to the Limitless Leader Podcast. Hey there, Cheryl Klein here. Today is such a special day. I am so excited to have Laura Geo here, GM, IBM, um, Global, Cisco, and Apple Alliance. Laura, thank you for taking a little time out of your incredibly packed and busy schedule to be here. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Now, you know, as you know, well, people watching don't know, I've been trying to track you down for this interview for a long time. So I appreciate that you squeezed it into your calendar. And before we jump in and talk about some of the amazing, I mean, you really walk the talk and put your money where your mouth is. And I know that a lot of times now, even though we have increased awareness in the about diversity, equity, inclusion, there seems to be a general consensus that not enough is being done and not quick enough. But I have to say that you are doing a lot and you're doing it quickly. And before we start talking about how you are empowering current and future leaders inside and outside of IBM, can we have a conversation about what got you to this point? I mean, it's not easy for women in tech in the moment here in 2021, but you have been in this industry for a moment or two. So can you share a little bit about what either inspired you to greatness or what was very difficult and made you decide, darn it, I'm going to climb that mountain and make it better for people behind me. Like any giving us a window into the, um, you know, the younger Laura, you know, a couple decades back. Yeah, so I, I've been at this for over three decades now. But, um, you know, if I really look at a pivotal point in my life, it started very young. When I was a teenager and I was in high school, I decided I wanted to play water polo. Uh, went to go try out for the team. Well, there was no girls team, so I tried out for the guys team. And this is back in the late 70s where it was like, oh, you know, uh, girls don't play on boys teams. So Long story short, uh, got involved with the school district and the board of directors and my father got involved and they figured out, well, I guess she can play. And that kind of started my journey on being a female in a very dominant male dominated world. And I got a comfort level with working with the guys and being part of a team that I think carried me through as I entered into the technology field, which is extremely male dominated and early in my career, I was in a lot of the hardware areas of the company where I would sometimes be the only woman in the room. But I was comfortable with how the men talked, interacted, and I felt comfortable in that environment. And I think that helped me at least early on. Yeah, so thanks for thanks for sharing that. And then now you have been, and this, this is very unique right now because it seems like young people hop around quite a bit and you have been dedicated a hundred percent over the last 30 years to ibm and so what what have you seen over that and what's been really the the benefit to having that loyalty over the last three decades so you know i wouldn't say i'd been you know in the same job. I've, I've had 15 different careers within IBM. And that's one thing about working for a very large corporation that gives you an opportunity to spread your wings and take on different roles and responsibilities. So I started with IBM 
came in as an engineer working in tech support, uh, worked my way up through the engineering ranks, ultimately became an engineering director and executive in the company running software engineering teams. I then decided, hey, let's go try sales. Now, if I tried to go externally and say, I want to be a, you know, go from being an engineering geek, as I was called, to being a sales leader, they would have laughed at me. You know, well, you can't do that. IBM gave me that opportunity and gave me that chance to take on that different role. It was the sales leader for the same product set that I was the development director for. And from there, I've had business line executive roles. I've worked in global technical services as a, a leader of the center of competency teams. Uh, lots of different roles. The one I'm currently in now, and I've been in this role for a little over two years, is running two of the major uh, strategic alliances for IBM, Cisco and Apple. There's not many times or not many places you could have the opportunity to have many careers. And I think what that's given me is the ability to connect dots from a business perspective. I've had jobs in all the different areas, and I understand how in, in a circular motion, as I view it, how this all comes together in, in a company, running a small company and how all the parts and pieces work together. So, well, let me kind of ask you, like connect the dots a little bit, ask you a question so you can help, you know, share some wisdom with emerging leaders from, you know, asking to be on the water polo team because there probably wasn't a girls water polo team at the time to just go play with, you know, on the water polo team with the boys too being inside a large corporation and saying, hey, I want to do this. So it seems to me like there's a common thread of you thinking of something, hey, I could be good at this, I want to do this, and just speaking up and asking. So is there some input or some wisdom or maybe even a little push that you can share for others who are thinking in their minds, maybe I'm good at this or I really want to try this, but I might not be allowed or totally qualified or what have you, what would you say to them? Um, I, I'd say first and foremost, you have to kind of have this little voice inside of you of, you know, what, what you stand for, what do you want to do? How do you want to operate? And I think if you are comfortable with where you sit internally, then you're able to distinguish and, and make decisions based on that and be confident in what you're asking for. You know, I knew that from my development director role, I had to talk to customers and I knew that I was pretty good at talking to customers. I could take a very technical situation and talk to any level of technical expertise on the other side and get my point across. So I thought, oh, I'll try this. But, you, you know, you also have to be a little bit fearless because they'll tell you no. I, I tell you, when I went after that job the first time, I got told, you're an engineer, you can't run sales and didn't talk to me. And I kept watching. Six weeks went by. They hadn't filled that role. And I went back, asked again. And eventually they're like, all right, fine. You can have this job. <laughs> but, you know, it's being fearless. You don't have a lot to lose. And I think that's one thing I would, I would tell anybody, women, uh, you know, the underrepresented minorities, anybody out there that's trying to go after something, ask. You can be told no, but try again. Yeah, I think that is a huge and amazing piece of advice. And it's a good segue into what we were speaking about earlier, you know, created a program last year called Limitless Leader Roadmap, because a lot of times people can conceptually understand that and say, yes, I should do that, or that makes a lot of sense. 
but they might not have the clarity or the vision or they might not have the confidence and then also they might not have the influence like i said rather than just starting to have a voice at the table or even if they get into the position you need to have a certain level of you know influence to have a voice at the table so we were talking a little bit about this limitless leader roadmap um you know curriculum that was created so do you think that would be helpful and and also too where do you see the biggest barrier so in other words where do you see like maybe women holding back a little bit and what do you think that they might need well first of all i think the curriculum would be great um you know you have a perception of you yourself you think you know what you're good at, what you're not good at, but having that kind of lens back or mirror back on you through coaching sessions and and having somebody working with you is extremely valuable because then you can pick up on those things that you may not be so good at, that maybe you kind of put to the side and forget, but need to hone up on. Um, as far as, you know, how do you get that voice? What do you do? Um, you know, you're going to be told, you have to, go into it a lot of times with the attitude of people don't know you, they may tell you no, um, you know, learning how to, I, I don't want to say sell yourself, but be able to articulate what value you can bring to a role. When I've picked roles in my career, there's been a couple things I've looked at. One is I need to have some small aspect of I know something about this job. And then there's some aspect of the job of I don't know a lot about this, but I want to know more and I want to be better at it. And if you can take that combination of selling what you do know and being enthusiastic and energetic about what you want to learn, I think there's a, that goes a long ways with people looking at who do they want to put into a role. Yeah, I think that's so important. So taking what you're good at and what you're passionate about and honestly, not just selling what you're good at, but selling your passion as well as where you would like to learn and being you know fearless in the process. So, of course, I have to ask you the question about mindset just to tie, you know, your area of expertise into my area of expertise. So what mindset has, you know, allowed you to get to where you are? Because a lot of times, a lot of emerging leaders and honestly, you know, even senior leaders, too, because, you know, everyone um, not to throw us women under the bus, but we compare to what we do sometimes. And so whether it has to be other senior leaders or emerging leaders what mindset has allowed you to persevere? Because a lot of times emerging leaders might look at you and say, oh my gosh, she's so confident. They might think that you were actually birthed into this world as a GM, you know, and I not understand that you've had the door slammed in your face, possibly, maybe you've clearly had no's. There've been some, you know, bumps along the way. So what mindset has allowed you to be confident and resilient and just to keep going and not just within IBM, because in a moment, we're going to have a conversation about how you're chairing. So, you know, an amazing organization and really doing some incredible things. But what mindset has allowed you to persevere over the last 30 years? Um, I would say, first of all, trying not to take myself so seriously. I mean, life's an adventure and you kind of have to enter into it that way. Um, really looking at where you've had experiences that haven't gone so well. I mean, I've had jobs in my career. If I, I recognize pretty quickly, this is not working. And before I get fired, I need to go find another job. 
But being self-aware is really important in what you like, what you're good at. If you don't like what you're doing, you're not going to be good at it. I mean, you can get through it, but getting through it is not what you want for a career. So I, I think understanding that and then from those bad situations, I mean, we've all worked for those leaders where you're like, oh, I tell you what, I probably learned more from some of those people than I did from some of the others because I recognize traits and, and how people were being treated and how things were being um, led that I said, I am not going to do that in my career. That's that's not who I want to be. So Every little tidbit you get in every job you have, whether it's a job you love and you're great at or a job you don't care for, that's a little thing going in your kit bag that adds to all your experiences. And then, you know, confidence grows over time. Yeah, it's definitely, and I want to piggyback on what you just said, and that is, well, two things. One is everything's a learning experience. So in the event that you don't like something, it's not going well, you think you might get fired, so you better leave first, I mean, it's one that you can take a step back. And I think it was not Steve Martin. I was watching a masterclass on comedy and I don't think it was Steve Martin. So I don't want to misquote, but I think it was David Sedaris said, everything is funny after a certain period of time. <laughs> so, so that really resonated. And so the two things that I wanted to really highlight what you just said is that um, it's a learning experience. Even if you feel like, you tanked something, or even if it's a project, or even an entire, you know, stint as a certain position that pull out, what did you learn? Because inevitably, you're good at some part of it, you know, and you know, um, there are areas to improve. And then so that was really, really important. So thank you for bringing that up. And when it comes to, you know, anything that you want to leave people with. So in other words, things for emerging leaders to really think about moving forward. And before you answer that, I want to think about it in context of people that are inside their companies. But I just also want to highlight a couple of the things that you're doing outside of IBM. And you're really very, very involved in racial justice and equity. And I want to have a conversation about that for a moment. Because like I mentioned earlier, when we first started this interview, is that there, of course, now, I say it's fortunately and unfortunately, and the reason why it's come about and come to our awareness is unfortunate, but it's fortunate that it is now much more, um, you know, on our front dashboard now. But I think most people will agree that change isn't happening quick enough. So I want you to highlight some of the things that you're doing that you are actually stepping outside, I would say, of the norm and really accelerating this process for racial justice and equity in the workplace. So can you talk a little bit about the board that you're chairing right now? Sure. So um, I serve on the Silicon Valley Leadership Group Board of Directors, and we have a subcommittee called Racial Justice and Equity, which I co-chair along with two other members of the board with me. Um, we brought, we started this late last year as one of our three pillars of efforts that we're doing as senior leaders across Silicon Valley from different companies. Uh, part of this is really looking at how do we accelerate? How do we accelerate racial justice? How do we accelerate leaders and underrepresented minorities, women, those areas where we don't have representation, particularly in California, where you look at the Hispanic community. We don't have matching numbers of how large our Hispanic community is 
and the number of people that serve in, in senior leadership positions in that area. So we're working on different projects. We actually had a meeting this morning on getting different companies that sit on the board of how to give people that fit in this demographic uh, opportunities to get experiences in other companies and mentorship and all of that. Now, you know, you may say, well, mentorship is nothing new, but cross company mentorship and giving people exposure to other companies and what they do, that is fairly new. Um, in addition to that, we're looking at it from a technology perspective. We're Silicon Valley. We can't help it. Um, IBM, I did share with the group, IBM has working on something called Call for Code and Call for Code for Racial Justice. And one of the things that we're working on is technology using AI to look at legislation and bills that are going through, whether it's at the state level or the federal level, that may have unconscious bias in it that is biased towards underrepresented minority and women and, and pull those out and be able to show from a very fact-based perspective how we may need to change some of the writing and the, and the wording within that. So there's lots of applications for this, mm -hmm. but it's really getting these companies rallying around the topic and bringing it to a head to bring it out and let's do something about it. Let's not just talk about it. Yeah. So that is so, it's so important. And Let's take a different perspective on that. So for emerging leader, I would say emerging leaders. And when I use that term, well, quite frankly, I think we're all emerging because we've never actually arrived at being the perfect leader. So I'm not just referring to people who are, you know, their first five years or so in. But um, when it comes to thinking about our next level of leadership, what we can do, because that's what I focus on. I you know, honor the big initiatives, because that's when a lot of the big change is going to happen. But I think where the magic happens is in when also individuals take personal responsibility for what is their place? What education can they have? How can they change their mindset and their vision and open up their perspective to what's possible? And so what would you share with individuals who are watching this, knowing that you are helping, there are boards that are helping, there's companies that are helping, but what would you say to them is maybe one, two or three things that they can start doing to start really paving the way for themselves? Yeah, one thing that I've always um, done myself and, and mentored individuals on is you've gotta do more than what's on your business card. You do your day job and you've gotta do your day job really well, but you need to do more. You need to get involved. And what you'll find, your first reaction for most folks who aren't accustomed to doing it is, oh, I don't have any time. I'm so busy in my day job, I don't have any time. Well, you would be amazed when you sign up for something. A couple things happen. One, you find time because you're passionate about it. Two, you become much more well-rounded. You get experiences and opportunities that you bring back to your day job that you never even think about. You know, serving on boards, um, I am the senior state executive for California, in addition to the other jobs that I have. And at first it was like, oh, I don't know if I've got time. But, you know, the, the ability to really look across the company from a different perspective adds a lot of value. So I, I would tell people, you know, get involved, even if it's just take an extra assignment that's not part of your job at your company and go do something different that you could be known for. You know, throughout my career, I, I had an early, early exposure to this in that my second line manager, when I was a first line manager, hated the budgets. 
And I said, oh, I like numbers. I'll take that for you. And I used to chase the finance guy around our IBM campus that I was on to show me the P&L statements and how this all works. Mm-hmm. He ended up taking a long sabbatical. They asked me to fill in. I mean, me as a first line manager got to go work for the VP as helping for operations because I had chased this guy around and understood how this stuff worked. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that's going to happen every time, but it's just an example of doing more. You learn more, you get a lot out of it. And those are so rewarding. Yeah. And to like connect all of this together, do more in something that you like. You know, because you tend to, it, it will feel a lot less like work if you were doing something that you like and maybe chasing the person down to get the P&Ls will actually be fun rather than, oh, I have to go get this person. And so if you can, again, you know, circling back to what you said, either really um, combine the passion with perseverance, then that can be really powerful too. So, Laura, what would you like to leave with everyone? I'm sure they're soaking in all of the gems of wisdom that you've shared. But just to summarize, what what are one or two things that you would want to make sure that the listeners remember? Um, You know, one thing I think is really important, and and maybe I'll point this out, is through COVID, um, we've seen an amplification, I'll call it, of less women leaders in the workplace. Uh, the IBM Institute of Business Value and glo- did a global study, and we've seen that there are fewer women executive leaders today than from 2019. So in two years, it's dropped. And we see these statistics all the time that more and more women are coming out of the workforce. So it's not getting better. It's getting worse. And we need to really pick up the pace and do more here to make sure that We who are sitting in these chairs today are helping all those people coming up behind us to get the opportunity. So get involved, you know, mentor somebody, bring somebody to a meeting with you that typically wouldn't be invited to that meeting. Give them a chance to get exposed to what's going on because it's this big secret for everybody. And as, as you know, women leaders, as you've gone through, as you get those doors open and you walk in the room, it's like, well, what was the big secret about this room? So, you know, don't be intimidated. I know that's easy to say and really speak up and uh, take those opportunities when they're given to you, even though they may seem like I don't have time to do it. Take it on. If it's not something you don't want to do, you can give it up later, but try it. Do something different. Yeah. So thanks so much for that. And I think you'll see, at least I've seen it over and over where they're coaching or leading some big cohorts that it's great for everyone. I mean, it's wonderful for the next generation of female leaders, but at the end of the day, it benefits everyone in the room. So would you concur with that? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Laura, thank you so much for your time. Keep up all of your amazing work, and I look forward to following you in the future. Thank you, Cheryl. And thanks for all you're doing for mentoring those executive women out there and those women coming up through the ranks. It's helpful. You have somewhere to go and get some help. So thank you. Oh, of course.